Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with my co-host Chris Lisa, out on Long Island. We've got a lot to get to today. The Golden Knights continue to make history, sweeping the LA Kings out of the first round and moving on to face San Jose in the second round. Our old friend Mark Scheich from the Hockey Writers is going to be joining us later in the show to break down what's been a crazy series between Washington and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then we're going to go around the league and check in on the rest of the playoff series and see which of the teams that are down 3-1 going home, which would be Colorado and Philadelphia, are most likely to even the series up and force a Game 7. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Well, all right, let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, uh, Russ Cohen's Sportsology page over at SoundCloud, GrandstandSportsNet.com, TheHockeyWriters.com, and anywhere podcasts are collected and gathered. Uh, Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We're heading into the heart of the playoffs, and and you want to stay tuned to keep up to date on everything that's going on. Let me welcome in Chris from out on Long Island. Good day to you, sir. Well, you are the soothsayer out there. I still listen to you on your connection with Vegas and and L.A., and you said L.A. was going to have a hard time keeping up with uh, Vegas' speed, and that was the case. I mean, granted, they 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 were all one goal games, but that was that was really due to just an unbelievable performance by Jonathan Quick. I can't remember the last time a goalie played that well and the team got swept. I mean, he did everything he did everything he possibly possibly could, and then some. But uh, no question about yeah. So that was yeah. So that was. Uh, you know they're moving, they're moving on up. Them and the Sharks. So uh, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely an interesting series. I mean, in the one breath from afar, you might say, "Wow, you know the Kings. Uh, they they lost one game in double overtime, two games, one nothing, and they, the other game they lost uh, up two nothing at home going to the third. I mean, you could have easily said this easily could have been a different series, but." If you watch the game, it, uh, it was it was clear who who the better team was. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Um, the other thing that uh, I thought was going to be a factor in the series, and a lot of national media was saying it was going to go the other way, and we spoke with JD about it last week. Um, I I thought that the fact that the Kings had been so inconsistent this season, especially from January on. Um, and the fact that they were dressing 10 players that weren't on the roster last season, uh, seven of which were making their playoff debuts this season, and they only have eight players left from the 2012 championship team. And I I, I didn't think that the, the 10 players and the inexperience and mistakes that were going to be made um, could be offset by the eight players and their championship pedigree. And that's not taking anything away from Dowdy or Carter or Kopitar or Brownie, uh, Lewis, Cliffy, Quick, uh, 
Quick had a fantastic series, probably the best hockey I've seen him play since 2012. Um, but I want to highlight two plays. And if you guys want, uh, Google up the game two double overtime goal, which, you know, put the Knights up to nothing. When Halla and Neil are coming up to the right side of the offensive zone, they crisscross. And there's already two kings between the dots in the triangle against Neil carrying the puck into the zone. Kevin Gravel, rookie defenseman, who was playing for Drew Doughty, um, curls towards Neil instead of forcing Halla to take a wider path to the outside. So they're, they're, now there's three people on Neil, and only Clifford is chasing Halla down the right side. Uh, Halla's going to win that foot, foot race uh, seven days a week. And credit to Halla, he did a nice job picking up the pass that came from Neil from, from his backhand behind him and getting it over to his forehand. But once he collected the pass, wide open to quit. Um, and that's a mistake by Kevin Gravel. He needs to force Halla to the outside of the dots uh, without interference, obviously, but you can, you know what I'm saying, Chris. Um, by mm-hmm. the time he turns, by the time he turns back around and tries to collect Halla, he's already in on quick. He digs him, beats him high five hole, and they win game two, double overtime. Okay, and then I heard a lot of things. Well, if that was Dowdy, uh, he would have plastered him into the boards. Well, let's look at the game winner for game three in L.A. Uh, they had just scored to go up 2-1. Riley Smith gets it off the faceoff and comes down into the into the right corner. Um, there's already two kings engaging him. Okay, it's right off the faceoff, left side. Instead of covering the slot, Dowdy turns his back on the slot, skates behind the goal line. So now there's three players again on Riley Smith in the corner. And Carlson has all day to walk down the slot. Smith hits him with a backhand. One-touch finish from Carlson. Kopitar, Kopitar tips in one with about 30 seconds left. So that goal was the game winner. And I have to put that on Drew Doughty for not covering the slot. Now it's a 3 nothing series lead, and it's all over but the shouting. So even with the championship pedigree, uh, the, the pressure that the Knights put on throughout the series – um, it was causing the Kings to play outside their game. The the veterans like Dowdy, they're trying to make up for the other players on the ice who haven't been there before or haven't been there last season. And, and while you trust your teammates, you, you may not trust them as much as if it was Kopitar and Brown bottling up Smith in the corner. Maybe Dowdy goes back to the slot and, and protects the front, of the front of the net. We, we'll never know. But trying to do too much to overcome those things. And those were two specific mistakes that were made by the Los Angeles Kings that ended up costing them games. Um, and that's, that's what I kind of thought. I, that's what I was worried about. The, the Kings fan in me going into the series was whether that experience could overcome the inexperience on the roster. Now the Golden Knights, I said that the Kings only had seven players or had seven players that were making playoff debuts. The Knights only had three. Uh, all, everyone on the roster except for 
I'm just going to – obviously, Subban's making his debut, and then two other guys. Um, everyone on the roster has played at least two playoff series. So it's not like they they haven't played together, but individually they've all been in the playoffs before. They know it ratchets up. And and game four obviously dominated by, by the Kings uh, most of the game. Um, on the game-winning goal by Braden McNabb, uh, again, you have an odd-numbered attack coming down the ice. Instead of – you had three on two, so the, the F1, the third forward – coming or the first forward coming back instead of coming back into the play between the dots to break up a pass he peels off and and goes to throw a hit on Marsha show and once once he took the hit to make the play and moved the puck up to Carlson who, who moved it to Smith who moved it to Matt McNabb who buried it and quick had no chance on the play um, that's another instance of a Kings player taking him out of of the what Historically, in the King system, you can say he took himself out of the position he was supposed to be in to deliver a hit instead of getting back. Um, third mistake that ends up in the back of the net. And that's how close the series was, Chris, really. You have three mistakes made by the Kings, and all three were game winners in the back of the net. Um, yeah, well, so it no, also it, doesn't help if you, only, if you only score three goals in four games. It's kind of hard to win games. Uh, there's no question you know, about that. Yeah, from that standpoint. But I'm really looking forward to this next series, you know, uh, in terms of the Sharks. And and I think this is going to be uh, an unbelievable series. I think it's going to be a lengthy one. I think it has an excellent chance to go distance. I think the Sharks are, you know, they, they have a lot of good team speed of their own. So I think, unlike the Kings, uh, uh, I mean, doing the wrong, Vegas' speed is going to be, a, you know, a challenge for any team. But uh, that is something I think they'll be able to handle a lot better. Um, it's hard to envision uh, Vegas facing tougher goaltending, but, you know, Martin Jones is, you know, uh, I think quietly. He's like the most – he's, you know, quietly one of the top goaltenders in the league. Just no one talks about him, probably because he's out in San Jose, and he, he is so young. Um, and, you know, you look at that backbone of that defense with Burns and Vlasic and – uh, and Braun, uh, and you know, it's a team that's again, unlike the Kings, uh, they're pretty deep. And we, we've talked about the Sharks this year a lot, where basically the key for them is just to get some, to not to get some secondary scoring. If they can get some secondary scoring with their with their big guys, both like the Pavelskis and the Hurdles uh, of the world, now Vander Kane, uh, they're going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat, and. Um, you know, Joe Thornton, I was reading today, uh, obviously he made an appearance in the Duck Series from the standpoint of the warm-up. So that's kind of on lockdown what his status is. Obviously, we're days away from that series happening. I don't know, you know, it's, it, until I see him in a game, I, I can't count on him being there. I mean, I right. one would think he's going to be in this series if he was out there for a warm-up. Um, well, I think that was game three memory serves correct uh so that was earlier in the week but until i see it but even even without thornton they're going to be you know both teams is going to be a heck of a, a challenge for each other and they both you know played each other obviously being in the division uh, a lot this year so they know each other well uh they're both well coached teams peter DeBoer and 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 draw Gallant. both teams have good specialty teams 
I think it's going to be a heck of a series. I really do. It's going to be, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I see it going seven. I, I'm very, you know, as much as, you know, there's been a lot of good games in the first round, but, you know, we've had a lot of short series, if you will, or, you know, series after four games that are not 2-2. In fact, the Capitals and the Blue Jackets were the only series that was 2-2 after four games. So, uh, next round, I think, uh, right now, on the way it's looking, uh, looks like uh, we're going to have four unbelievable series, and and obviously that that is one of them, and we and that's the only one that is set, obviously at this point in time. But real quick, uh, how do you, how do you see the the, the Sharks and the and the Knights matchup? Well, for what it's worth, um, the Knights were three and zero against the Sharks in the regular season. Obviously, out, out. Yeah, yeah. It, simply because it's um. You had to get Brent Burns for thirty minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's well, they said the same about Drew Doughty. Um. So, well, I, I, like I said, way. for what it's worth, it is. Uh, right. I wouldn't go it, too crazy with that. No, but it's worth you something. Have that, you have the mental edge that it's you worth. beat that team, and that team does not yeah. have that. You know what I mean? I think that after I think the, that I think the series, very confident. I I, I agree, and I think I think that there's going to be more room for the Knights to operate in this series. I think LA did a great job of lim- limiting uh, neutral ice transition. Um, surprising to a lot of people, but not so much to me. Vegas did a great job answering the physical play of the LA Kings. It was. Uh, Game game one or two had 130 hits and and it was like 69 to 50 or whatever whatever the numbers were. Um, so Vegas isn't going to shy away from and I think that caught the Kings by surprise too that the Knights didn't back down, didn't dump the puck, um, and give possession up. The farther that was the other thing a lot of people said was the farther into the series uh, they get, the Kings have, will have worn down the Knights. They won't be skating. They'll be dumping the puck because they don't want to take the hits. Well, well, Vegas answered that question resoundingly um, with hit, almost hit for hit with the LA Kings. And so don't expect uh, anything else to happen in San Jose. There were long stretches of the series in, in uh, between the Kings and the Knights where the Knights – the thing about team speed, and everyone thinks about when you when you hear the word speed, you think that they're busting out of their zone, rushing up on offense, and creating a lot of two on one, three on two type situations and and speed. Right. The other thing that the the night speed can do for them is create a very good team defense. And one of the things that was the deciding factor in that King series was that the Kings would come down. Uh, the Knights would clog it up, and they would dump. And Flurry being a better stick handler of the puck than Jonathan Quick, we know Jonathan Quick's trials and tribulations trying to handle the puck. It's not a good look. Um, Flurry's able to cut that dump in off behind the net, and the Knights defenders and their their first forward back consistently with regularity were able to grab that puck before the Kings could get in on the forecheck and move it up, move it out, and then get it in deep in the other zone. And um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether San Jose can learn from that and create more transition play against the Knights. Um, I think with more room to operate, a less physical series plays into 
the Knights hands. I give them the edge in goaltender because, let's face it, Fleury's been on fire just as much as Jonathan Quick was. Marc-Andre Fleury had a fantastic series as well. It was um, great. Yeah, I give – I probably give the edge to the Sharks on defense and, and team defense uh, out, of, out of the six maybe the edge to the Knights, but as far as San Jose will be able to, yeah, San Jose will be able to generate a little more offense from the defense, I think. Um, Oh, yeah. I think think the high-end skill at forward goes to the Sharks, just like I gave it to the Kings. I think depth at forward comes to the Knights' favor. And special teams may decide the series and if the Knights they were the 10th or 9th when it finished up on the penalty kill um, if they can corral San Jose's power play then I think uh, you know uh, unbelievably I think the Knights are going to the Western Conference Finals sir yeah well like I said it's I think it's going to be a long series. I think, you know, basically if I tell you, I think it's going to go seven. You know, that anytime someone says that, I, you know, I think you could just basically slip a coin. So I I, right. I, I think this is going to be a great matchup. Well, you had Kings in six, too. <laughs> I did have Kings in six. And if you would have told me how well long. Jonathan Quick, Quick uh, if you would have told me how well Jonathan Quick was going to play, uh, I would have been very confident. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. put a couple of shekels of down. But just well, that was the uh, that was the one. Mark Scheig is on the line, but real quick to wrap this up. Oh, here we that go. was the one thing. That was the one thing I said worried me about that series was Jonathan Quick being able to steal the series, and boy did he do everything he could. Uh, he could. Yeah. I mean, hats off to Jonathan Quick because uh, you almost feel like he deserves a better fate than than a sweep. But um, it, the, the cards fell where they did, and the Knights are moving on. Well, let's welcome in Mark Shaggy, writes for the Hockey Riders and covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you for having me again. Long time, sir. How have you been? Yeah, busy. I mean, let's. <laughs> I mean, between between Columbus and Washington, between writing draft files there's never a dull moment there's always something going on every day from now until basically free agency so tis the season yes it is yes it is well by by the time we get off the show they're going to be dropping the puck in your series so let's look back a little bit uh before we look ahead and what to expect out of tonight's game um the only the only uh series so far where the road teams won every game. Columbus takes two in overtime in Washington, then the double overtime thriller in game three back in Columbus, and then maybe a little hangover in game four from that game for the Blue Jackets, Uh, maybe mentally not quite ready to come out and play game four. Um, So far, it's been a very close series. What What is your takeaway on the Blue Jackets, how they were able to get two on the road against a veteran Washington team, and then um, what happened at home? Hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that you can pin that on, but I'm going to start and end with the Capitals goaltending. To be perfectly honest with you, games one and two 
were Philippe Grubauer. And although he played well down the stretch, the Capitals needed a save in games one or two, one and two, quite frankly, when the Capitals scored the first goal in those games and Columbus came back, forced overtime, and was able to beat Grubauer twice. Um, well, actually, well, the second time was Holpe. They put Holpe in in the third period to start game right. two. But ever since he came, ever since Holpe's been in the series, he's calmed the Washington Capitals down. And the Blue Jackets played a pretty good game three, only to have it end on a kind of fluky goal by Lars Eller. And then, right, right as you said, game four, they laid a complete egg. But maybe it's nerves. Maybe they are tired. Um Whatever it is, I mean, just to be honest with you, that's an embarrassing performance. They were up two games to none. They were coming mm-hmm. home. They knew that there was going to be a raucous crowd. And both nights there were. You know, game three, okay, you get to overtime. You know, anything can happen. But then game four, to have that kind of an effort, that's it's inexplicable. So it'll be really curious to see which version of the Blue Jackets come out tonight, the one that goes out and attacks and just keeps going at it. Or are they going to bring the nerves into it because the Capitals have won two straight? Honestly, I don't know which version of the team is going to come out today. It might be better to to have this game on the road for them after that performance to get away from that that barn and and get out as a team together on the road where they've tasted success in this series and and get back to that style of play. And the one thing I did say about this series, and I liked Washington to start, but you mentioned it uh I did I did say on our playoff preview show that the one thing that could be the Washington Capitals Achilles heel was that coming down the last month of the season they were unsettled in goal where uh Holpe was coming back from injury and not playing well and they relied a lot on Grubauer um and they weren't happy with that and they went back to Holpe for a couple games and we've already seen that goaltender change um in this series and I'm wondering what your opinion would be Let's say Columbus comes out and jumps out two nothing, three nothing. Can you go back to Grubauer at this point after after Yang? That's always the question, right? If you if you pull your your goalie who you started the dance with, and what his state is going to be if they have to go back to him. Boy, if if that were if that were to happen, um, quite honestly, I, I don't see why you would go back to him in a situation like that. I mean, in a 2 3 nothing game, um, un- unless he looks completely out of whack, like I guess depending how the goals are scored, then maybe you consider a move like that. But just the confidence it brings. I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, I understand the Capitals haven't played well in the playoffs later. They haven't been to this past the second round in 20 years. But hope he's over 60 games into his career in the playoffs, and he's got an under two goals against. I mean – He's been wonderful, and it, yes. it you, you can look at it for, from a number of standpoints, but at the end of the day, he, he calmed the whole team down. He gave them confidence. The Capitals played their best game of the series by a mile in game four, and it's because they didn't have to worry about what was going on in goal. They were going to get a save. They were going to get some really good saves, and you know, they're just flying now. So now, you know, and I'll – I recently wrote in my latest article just pinpoints that you've got two teams now that are in an interesting crossroads in a 2-2 series. You've got the Blue Jackets that are looking to see if they can win their first ever playoff series. And then you have the Capitals who, you know, can they come back from 0-2 down now? I mean, they've played well, but they've only done half the job. 
you know, can Holtby, can Ovechkin, can that team now finish the deal and not have those questions um, raised up again? Yep. And then uh, I'm retweeting the link to that article right now. Everybody can go to the at Vegas Hockey Pod on Twitter and check check that article out because it's pretty good reading. There are a lot of demons on on both sides of the aisle, as you, as they say. Uh, one thing before I bring Chris in, and, and we talked about it at the end of the season. As in the last game of the season, <laughs> and you probably know where I'm going with this, uh, they had the chance yeah. to win and end up playing Pittsburgh. And they ended up scratching everybody, the water boy, the athletic trainers, the guy that tapes the sticks. Everybody got scratched. I think they they suited up the entire AHL team. Um, is, was that a situation where we've already seen this Pittsburgh Penguins thing? Uh, let's try something else. Is that For all appearances, it's like we were ready really to try and play somebody else in this first round. I, 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 everything is there for the appearance of that shore, but I mean, they had to go 13, two and two to make the playoffs by a single point. Right. So to be able to give your top players a night off conveniently, you know, you're going to do what you need to do to give them that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, five whole days off. In, before the start of a series, that that's a, you're definitely going to do that. And to give a, a guy like Panera and a guy like Bobrovsky, who's had to really carry the team just to get them into the playoffs, why risk getting an injury? I, I don't see the point in that. If they're already in, and if it doesn't matter if they fall back, sure. But the, the primary reason was the rest, guys. I don't buy for a second it was to, oh, we're going to go and avoid Pittsburgh. I mean, because they're going to have to eventually play them anyway if they do advance. So if you get them in the first round or you get them in the second round, I'm not sure of an NHL team that's going to go out and admit, oh, we don't want to play Team A or Team B. I mean, that's I, just, I don't buy that argument at all. really don't. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up because I gave them a little bit of roasting here on the show um, with, with that in hand. Uh, but let me bring in Chris. I know he wants to get into it a little bit with you, sir. Chris? Hey, Mark. It's great to talk to you. And I, you know, we're thrilled that hey, Mark is going to be uh, part of our third annual. And actually, Mark has participated in all of them, our third annual mock draft show in June. Absolutely. With Rob Reese uh, with NHL.com. So in advance, thank you for that. Uh, and we'll actually know the course, team Mark. order next next Saturday. But um you know, Mark, I have been a little bit surprised of how much in this series it seems like at times Columbus has uh, had a hard time generating offense. I mean, the Panarin line's been great. When Seth Jones and Orlansky join the play, uh, that's their force. But other than that, I mean, Mark, it got so bad, and you know I'm a huge fan of his. But when you've seen rookie Sonny Milano getting significant minutes the, uh, in game four in the third period, I'm sure, you know, people who don't follow the Blue Jackets saying, well, why is this kid getting all the big, you know, uh, big minutes? Uh, are you surprised of how much they've that, that's been the case in this series? Well, no, because they actually turned to him earlier in the regular season when they needed scoring. And I, you know as much as I do. You've asked about him all season, Sonny Milano. I mean, started out really well. 
didn't have the trust of Tortorella because of the way he played defense. So he found himself with very limited minutes or on the bench. And he's quite an enigma. And a lot of, it made a lot of fans wonder if he was going to be a fixture, if he's even going to be on the team. And, you know, then they made a decision. Look, you know, we need offense. They went 52 games into the season. They only had 15 regulation wins. And they couldn't score goals. If They couldn't do anything to score goals. So they looked at Milano and said, well, he is an offensive threat. We need to, you know, see what he can do. And then when they put him up in a better role – he was able to produce. So to be able to see that, especially when they're struggling to score goals, no, but it does bring up a very valid point that is a problem is secondary scoring outside of that top line. They haven't done hardly anything in, in the way of scoring. Now, Alexander Wenberg is coming back to the lineup today. So that is going to be a uh, help. Tom Wilson knocked him out in game one and they've had to shuffle their lines. So, Milano and now Milano's not going to play today because of, of Wenberg being back into the lineup. But with Milano in, and they, he was—I think he only played like some four or five minutes in Game Two, and then again played a little bit more as the series went on. So doesn't surprise me at all. But then now with Wenberg back, they've got to be able to, you know, see if Jenner, Wenberg, and Vanek can get it going again. Can, can they get Oliver Bjorkstrand going? I mean, if they're going to find a way to win this series, they have to get secondary scoring because they've put on the line of Wilson, Kuznetsov, and Ovechkin against Panarin, and the, the Kuznetsov lines had the better of the play, um, heads up. Um, they started with Backstrom's line in game one. That didn't work out. And then ever since then, um, Kuznetsov's line's been good, and they've and then the, the Capitals have gotten secondary scoring. Look at Lars Zeller, look at Brett Connolly scoring goals. That's what's propelled them. And if the Blue Jackets hope to do anything with this series, they've got to get those other guys going one way or another. Nick Felino needs to chip in. He's been fine in his overall game, but he needs to start chipping in goals. Um, Brandon Dubinsky needs to start chipping in goals. Mark Letestu could chip in a goal here or there. They got to get secondary scoring. If they don't, the Capitals are going to win the series going away because they know if they shut down that top line, then you know who's going to step up. And so far, nobody has. I got two more quickies for you, Mark. Uh, you know, you said if if Columbus is going to win this series, a big theme of this series has just been how lethal. How, well, I don't know how you want to say it. How lethal the Capitals' power play has been or how anemic the Blue Jackets' penalty has, killing has been. And as you know, that's been a, uh, a season-long uh, problem for them. They have seven power play goals, I believe, in the first four games. If that doesn't get better uh, over the, the second half of the series, I mean, can Columbus still win this series? Absolutely not. And just say... You know, is it bad Columbus or is it good Washington? It's both because the Washington Capitals power play has Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Oshie, and John Carlson. That is one yeah, of the best five-man groups in the entire yeah, Carlson's got a point. Yeah, he's got a point, I think. on every, He's assisted or scored every power play goal, right? I believe that is correct. And I mean, yeah. it, when, you have, when you have playmakers all over the ice, you know, that's – that just is what it is. And then the power, the penalty kill for the Blue Jackets have been bad all year. So you keep putting Washington on the power play. They've allowed at least one power play goal in every game of the series. 
and it's been a momentum turner. And I mean, game three, perfect example. They Blue Jackets tie the game at one, and then they take consecutive slashing calls, and they allow a five on three, and that five on three goal puts them up two to one. So whatever momentum you had, you just forfeited it. And it's this has to be a point of emphasis. And here's the stat that blows me away. It doesn't really have to do with the um, special teams, but this will be the 20th game ever for the Blue Jackets in the playoffs in their existence. In, in the first 19 games, they've allowed three goals or more in every game. Well, think about that for a minute. That, wow. that is an unbelievable stat that, you know, you've had Sergei Bobrovsky, and I understand you're playing the Capitals, you've played the Penguins, played Detroit um, in their first series. They've allowed three goals or more in every single game. If they don't improve, if they don't get Sergei Bobrovsky being kind of superhuman-like, you allow Washington three goals or more, you're kind of, you're, you're staring at elimination right in the face. So today's going to be big. So we'll see what team, which version comes out and, you know, they've got to break that streak. They, they've got to hold them down to two or less if they can help it. And real quick, Mark, uh, you know, going into the series, I, I felt like there was a lot on the line for both clubs and the loser of this series, right or wrong. There could be some changes with the, decision makers and the people behind the bench you know obviously Columbus getting off to the 2-0 start coming home they weren't able to get through this series it, not that losing in Washington is any shame in that but if they weren't get, able to get through the series get the first franchise playoff series win I mean is it possible that Tortorello uh, Kikulainen or even John Davidson that you know, there could be changes in the, with those uh, with those gentlemen or one of those gentlemen? No, I, I really don't think so, Chris. It, it's a valid question, oh, really? especially if they lose the series. The fact that they made the playoffs for a second consecutive year, I think bought them time because, you know, it shows that what they're doing is working. I mean, if you consider where they were at when they got here at their different points and where they're at now, they've never been in better position in franchise history. They've got Panarin, they've got Wierenski, Jones, Bobrovsky. They've got pieces up and down the lineup. It hasn't been better. So, well, I think there will be changes that they lose the series. Sure. I just don't think it's with those three. I think it'll be with personnel. I mean, okay. you look at some of the players that are, have underperformed throughout the year, like Brandon Dubinsky, for instance. I know he has a no-trade clause, and I know there's rumors that he might go with the deadline, but do you try to make a change there, or do you try to make personnel – I think it's going to be more they're going to make some personnel adjustments because they know they have to address the penalty kill. They know they need to try and get some secondary scoring. So there's obvious needs, but I do think that – the job that Yarmo has done and, you know, pulling off a trade like bringing Panarin in for Brandon Saad. I mean, it's been a completely one-sided deal in Columbus's favor. And yeah. John Davidson has been wonderful. He's been here. Tortorella, when he first got here, you didn't even know the names of the players. You had to have name tags on the back to, just to be able to learn them. And now he's got them in a position where they've made back-to-back playoffs and they actually have accountability and leadership. So, in the future, if things go south, if they miss the playoffs next year, you, I think you revisit that right now. Torts and Yarmo and JD, I think, are safe at this time. All right, Mark. Well, that's about all the time we have with you today. Game five tips off in about 25 minutes, I believe. Uh, final thoughts. 
the, does Columbus get it done today? I have a sneaking weird feeling that they do get it done today just because of how bad they were in game four. They, they, you made the point earlier, they're on the road, probably better for them to get away from home just to know that you know, they've got to step their game up. I just think somehow, some way, they're going to find a way to get this one done. Um, let's say Columbus three, Washington two for the final score today. I would hate, I would hate to have to wager on this game. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> okay, Mark, uh, let him know where to find you. He's on Twitter, at Mark Scheig. Where else can they find your stuff, sir? Yeah, on the thehockeywriters.com, cover Columbus. If you're interested in the draft, you want to read our draft profiles, go to the NHL draft section on thehockeywriters.com. Oh, <laughs> I am very interested. I got I got two golden tickets for next Saturday, so I'm very interested. Oh, awesome. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. No, no, it's our pleasure. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again. Uh, always a good time. Sir. All right, thanks, guys. One of the things that's cool about doing the draft preview show with Mark and the guys that have been here over the years is the players that Mark is is really high on that we that we touch on during that show are the are the Provorovs and the Warinskis and the Konechnys and uh, so, some even some of the guys farther down in the, in the first round that, that yeah. most people, myself included, aren't that familiar with. And then now, um, a, as we move into the playoffs, those players that we highlighted two years ago, three years ago, are making contributions to the teams that they're on and, and, and becoming a force in the league. And it's really neat to go through that draft preview with Mark because he is all over it, 365. And and for for him to come in and, and have a good time talking a little bit of draft hockey and and give us all an education on on these kids that are getting drafted, and I was like a, like Konechny, I, I he was really high on Konechny when we talked to him, and yeah. uh, boy he, boy he's turned into a great player, uh, and and more to come from him. So it, it, later on in the summer when we get closer to the draft, everybody make sure you come back and listen to Mark and uh, Rob Reese from NHL.com because they both do a great job breaking down the amateur talent that's coming into the league. Uh, good stuff Good stuff from Mark today. Oh, absolutely, always. And I'll try to keep up my end of the bargain with those guys. Uh, although, you know, I, I do have Charlie. I'm, I'm do, I was the one pumping the, the pom-poms on Charlie McAvoy. So I'm gonna, even though I was, I was a biased pick, I'm still taking the credit for it. So, um, Tell you what, I was the guy pumping – Nico Ranton, and remember I was talking about the Finnish bull and how I yeah, thought he should have yeah, went to Carolina a... because they were super thin at, at at wing on his side. Um, and now look, he's part one of the part of the highest scoring uh, line from the regular season in the playoffs. So um, it's fun. I it's fun. A, it's fun good, going. And I think it's a good uh, transition, if you will, sir. I mean, I I I don't know about you, but I am a bit surprised of how hard this series has been for Nashville. Not that I Can't have any, you know, poop, that I'm trying to poo-poo Colorado, okay? But let's face facts. They were going in without their number one goalie. And Jonathan Bernier can be okay, uh, you know, but he's a backup. And they were out without Eric Johnson going in. And obviously Nashville has a stacked lineup, or their deepest can be. Yes, Colorado has McKinnon. Yes, they have Ratton in. But, you know, they're also a very young base. 
and it has been nothing but a struggle. And then last night, Colorado has to go to the Hamburglar to 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 play uh, net. Uh, I mean, how many, sir? How many games has he played in the NHL these last couple of years? Like like one or two? And they're at home. Amazing run he was on. Uh, yeah, definitely. That was a while ago. And they yes. can't, you know, now look, I think Nashville is going to win this series, but it has been a, I thought last Michael night was Steph. going to be the game. I thought last, yeah, I know. I thought last night was going to be the game where it was going to be a, one of those 5-1 games because, you know, nothing against Hammond, but just, you know, basically playing in the NHL all year. And I, I just, and Nashville was at home for I just had that feeling, and they've had bad starts. I thought they were going to jump them. Um, didn't happen. And i got to tell you something. Um, you know, Winnipeg looks so good. I mean, granted, they you know they had to win a couple low-scoring, tough games. Uh, but I tell you, if Winnipeg's experience doesn't get in the way, uh, if they play Nashville, which I'm not trying to uh, upset the Colorado fans, uh, Nashville's going to have to step to up their game to get through that series, but uh, kudos to Colorado, sir. Yeah, no question about it. From from to Think back to where they were at the end of last season with the Matt Duchesne oh. thing hanging over their head. Uh, by far the worst record in the, in the league. Um, by far. And now pushing Nashville all that Nashville wants right now. Um, they're having a hard time with that, that line. Um, I, I I have a feeling that they're going home for game six and they're going to take game six and they're going back to Nashville. I, I, I think Nashville has not uh, seen the, the last of this series, sir. Um, what do you have an update on Bernier and why they went to, uh, why they went to the Hamburg? Bernier got hurt. Is he going to be ready for game six? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. And Hammond played so well, I think they're going to stick with Hammond. Would be my guess. Ugh, now you're killing me. <laughs> you know, you know I can't. Uh, anyway, um, great, great series. Kudos to the Colorado. Um, they get a few more players out hey, of their kudos. pipeline up to, to give them some depth at that forward position. That's a tough team in the next few years. And kudos to Philly, who, I mean, with a banged up Sean Couturier, again, you yep. figured after – Games three and four in Philly, where where Pittsburgh dominated. I mean, you felt I probably I felt like last night. Well, you know, the Nashville series will be over, and Pittsburgh will the both those teams will be moving on, and both gave really gutty performances, and and uh, I wonder if that will, for lack of a better word, inspire both New Jersey and Toronto who are facing extinction today or elimination, I should say. And they say, hey, you know what? I mean, look at Colorado. They won game five on the road with Hammond, who hasn't been in the NHL in basically in two years. And look at Philly, all banged up and, and going into Pittsburgh. So, you know, we could do the same thing. So I wonder if New Jersey and Toronto, uh, who both of those teams could have their seasons over today, uh, they, they get a little uh, little inspiration from that. I don't like um... – I liked the Maple Leaf shot more so than uh, New Jersey. Look, that's a game New Jersey team, but I think Tampa Bay is now starting to find that stride that it uh, kind of let go down the stretch last month or so of the season, maybe looking ahead to the playoffs. Um, 
obviously Hall had a great season. Um, that's another team that's been uh, unsettled in net, if you will, going back and forth between Schneider and um, – The biggest thing is New Jersey can – other than Taylor Hall, they don't have anyone who can finish. I mean, they had four right. breakaways in game four and, and couldn't score in any of them. They just – I mean, they give you everything they got, but they don't have anyone who can finish. And I actually have a question right. for you, sir. Uh, I sir? don't know if you saw it. Uh, I Yesterday, I watched Brazil. It was eerily sim- similar, and I went back. The the I watched yesterday about ten times both the hit to – that Drew Doughty gave William Carrier. Yep, and the hit yep, that yep, Kudrow yep. Same Jack hit. Matinin. And it, same hit. Same hit. Uh, same kind of situation in terms of, yep. you know, where they were on the ice, how the player was moving. In fact, the only difference was Kudrow actually got a more flush, uh, in yeah, my opinion. Did. And and I'm not saying that Kudrow should be suspended, but how how is it that Downey got suspended a week ago, and Kucherov did it. I mean, I, I'm confused. Uh, what uh, I mean, what is the league saying here? And and Downey's a star too. I mean, you could say, well, this is star treatment. Well, Drew Downey's up for the Norris Trophy. He's probably going to win the Norris Trophy. My he should, in my opinion. So he's a star player too, just in a different way. Uh, but I, I don't understand. Can you explain this to me? I I can't. When I saw that. The the first thing I said was, well, that's one game, because right. it it is all it's it's almost <clears throat> exactly the same. One thing I will say about that hit, and I'm watching it, I'm watching it right now. Um, so the contact here was first to the head. He got more body secondary than Dowdy did. It looks, from the angle I'm watching it anyway, um, it, that's the only thing I can think of that, that maybe got him off the hook is because he got more shoulder than than uh, Dowdy did on the secondary contact. Um, well, I would say yeah, this. If I was, if I was either A. Drew Doughty, B. Uh, um, you know, John Stevens or Rob Blake, or C. A big L.A. Kings fan like J.D. Styles, I would be very upset because wait a minute, you know, we didn't have Drew Doughty for Game Two, and I'm not saying we would have won Game Two, but obviously we lost a double overtime, and I'd, I'd rather have my take my chances with Drew Doughty playing that game, and who knows. Maybe it would have made a difference, and who knows what happens if we win game two. But, okay, fine, he gets suspended, and he should have gotten suspended. But then Kucherov doesn't get suspended? I wouldn't be a happy camper. No, here's uh, I'm going through a little bit of social media and the thread that's holding that, that uh, clip I'm looking at. Uh, and, and no offense, I'm not trying to call anybody out. At Pierre Paul says, if you honestly think the Kucherov hit – is worthy of a suspension, do yourself a favor and turn off the television and never watch the National Hockey League again. And then right below him, uh, at Pona underscore Joey says, Kucherov literally leaves his feet and lunges at Vatnin's head, and there's no call. Textbook illegal hit and no whistle. Unreal. 
So the the opinions are all over the map, to say the least. My well, thought I, but is the, it, even, even the similarity between his hit and the Dowdy hit is bad optics not to give Kucherov yep. a game off for that. It's just even if it's just an optics thing, it's the same hit. So you, yeah. I don't know what I I don't know how you don't give him a game when when you give Dowdy a game for the same hit. Um, so yeah, no, no I, I agree I'm with you 100. It it just it, it it's almost like the uh, goaltender interference. What constitutes in a, the league's all over the map on oh, just right. about every questionable call, and and it drives us all crazy. For sure, when we don't know, uh, okay, that hits to the head, good. That hits to the head is not good. And they've tried and put out the player safety videos, and a lot of the time they're over-voicing what you're looking at, and your eyes are telling you something that's different from the voiceover is telling you, and it doesn't make any sense. So, no, I'm I'm with you on this one, Chris. I think if Dowdy warranted a game, and I pretty much thought he did, I think Kucherov warrants a game as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, but I think it's going to be, uh, and, uh, I think it's going to be tough for those two teams today, uh, New Jersey and um, Toronto, to to extend this uh, extend the series. Um, the one thing I will say about Tampa is they they got to button some things up defensively because, again, you know they gave up four breakaways. I mean, which is in, which is insane during the regular in the game, and it, which is insane during the regular season. Let alone in right. the playoffs. I mean, uh, New Jersey, like I said, other than Taylor Hall, cannot finish. If they do that, and when uh, assumingly in the next round when they play the Bruins, well, we saw what happened when you have defensive breakdowns in with the Bruins. That uh, the difference is, you know, the, the Toronto was neck and neck with them in Game Four, had two breakdowns, two two on ones, one late in the second, one in early in the third, and what, what happens from that? of a 1-1 game, then it's a 3-1 game. And and then just put it in lockdown and Tukarask and, and do what you have to do. And that was without Paris Bergeron as well. So, you know, Tampa's going to have to, they're going to have to lock things up. But I tell you, watching this series a lot, being out here, Tampa is just so, I mean, for instance, uh, the best way to describe how deadly and how quickly Tampa could hurt you, I watched old game two, which Tampa won, re- pretty comfortably five to three but at the end of the game joe micheletti for nbc was doing the game and he said you know new jersey should be happy with this game they played well uh they did a lot of good things and that might sound like just reporter talk trying to you know be be nice but he actually was right the problem was the few minutes or the few mistakes the mistakes that they made or the few bad minutes they have you make a mistake pampa boom it's in the net you know what i mean like it's uh, yeah, they, they're, they're going to crush you. That's some of these other teams. Maybe they'll get bailed out or whatnot uh, with Tampa. So maybe you know, maybe they don't play the greatest. You know, for 50 minutes of the game, you, you, John Cooper will say, "Well, we need to do this better. We need to do that better." But I'm worried about this. But those other 10 minutes, they could score three or four goals on you. <laughs> no question about it. Um, I mean, real so, quick before we run out of time, let's look at. What do you make of this Flyers Penguin series? Because uh, how dangerous would this Flyers team be if they had a consistent play in their goal? Yeah, you know, that, it's just not a good matchup for them. I mean, you know, I, I, they're trying again. The the the, Peng, uh, the Flyers the last couple of years have been rebuilding without telling anyone. Um, you know, 
goaltending wise, the guys that they have are okay, but they'll go up against the Penguins. They don't really. They're not okay, a good doesn't get uh, it done. penalty killing. Yeah, uh, they're not great on the penalty kill. I mean, obviously that's the problem against the Penguins. Um, you know, they're not deep enough. I mean, this is a n- nightmare uh, match uh, matchup nightmare uh, for Philly. So the fact that Philly has been able to get two games in the first five, I, I think, says a lot about how how much they're digging deep. And maybe Pittsburgh took them a little bit for granted, like thinking, oh, we're going home. We just had two relatively, you know, lopsided wins. Um, I think Pittsburgh will get it done in Game Six, uh, but. Um, you know they're they're do, they're doing something good there. They still have a lot of work to do. But, you know they're counting on a lot of youngsters in that series. You know Wayne Simmons has had a not really a great year. He hasn't been the Wayne Simmons for the last couple. Of, you know that he was the last couple of years. Uh, they're just not deep enough. But uh, like I said, I actually thought that the Flyers, due to how much they've overachieved this year, that they were going to get a couple of games in this series. And, and that's tough for Pittsburgh. You know. The thing about Pittsburgh is they've, you know, they've obviously climbed the mountaintop these last couple of years. So, you know, you look at Vegas and San Jose having a week off, basically, I think they'll probably wind up with a week off. That would behoove Pittsburgh immensely. Uh, yeah, given the amount no one wants to see that. They, right. So they really missed an opportunity last night, uh, ending this in five and getting, you know, getting out. They could still get a few days off, which would be good, but. Uh, you know, the longer this goes, uh, uh, you know, they really did miss an opportunity at that. Yeah, I like where Philly's headed, man. They've got a, a talented group of skilled forwards there with just enough uh, experience mixed with, I mean, with Giroux and, and Philpo has been around the block. And then Couturier's having a nice season. Connecting. Oh, he's had a great year. Letera, Nolan Patrick being the the, the high pick. Uh, another couple of years under his belt, um, and then they've got just yeah. enough grit grit with, uh, you know, Reed, Gudis, Simmons. Uh, you said he had a bad year, but he still still brings physical presence. Um, their forward right. group is just about rounded out, and then, I mean, it's silly. You have Provorov and Gossespierre. Um, coming and the kids Sanheim too, and yeah, and Sanheim all all, all coming up. You know, you could you, with, yeah, with Brian Elliott, uh, you just I think don't know what you're. I think they're playing the game. Uh, I think they're playing a bridge game, my friend, in terms of trying to wait for Carter Hart and yes. Norworth, and and uh, you know, the only thing is about that is, uh, you know, even when Carter, I'm not saying Carter Hart can't be is not going to be a future number one goalie, but you know, one, a lot of times you don't know what's going to happen with these kids. And two, even when he's ready, which is probably in, let's say, another year or so, he's going to be a rookie goalie. I mean, look at Connor Hollabuck as an example. You know, last year's yeah. rookie goalie, he really struggled a lot. And it took, you know, the getting banged around, if you will, uh, and then took an incredible off-season workout uh, to reach uh, the year he's had this year. So, you know, if the game plan is to bridge it, it's not like once Carter Hart is here to expect him to be, you know, a, a top goalie once he arrives on the scene. That's asking an awful lot out of any kid. Uh, so, I mean, he's a talented young kid and a top prospect, but uh, they're going to have to give him some help, I think. Uh, so, 
Um, yeah, but for now, that seems to be their plan. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think they're they're building up all the pieces uh, in front of him. Uh, probably, you know, in the plan that when he gets there, there'll be a really solid team in front of him, and and that will help. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Flyers take Game Six, sir, and, and force that Game Seven. Even though I have questions about the goal, um, very gritty performance to go into Pittsburgh in an elimination game and and pull off the four two win. So I'm just going to say the Flyers ride the bull and uh, force a game seven in that series. Wow. I'm calling it. Yeah. <laughs> Why I, not? All right. Yeah. Why not? I, I'm, hey, look, nothing against Pittsburgh, but I'm tired of them winning. So I wouldn't have to think it's a flyer. But I wouldn't, I, you know, so I wouldn't mind, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that series go seven. Yep. Time, time for some new blood. Um, we're just about out yeah. of time, Chris. Um, you got anything? Oh, we have our guest for that. Oh, we, real quick, we before, have our guest for next that? week. I I I nailed okay. it down right before the show. We're gonna have Dan Harrigan on uh, talking Tampa okay. Bay Lightning next week. Uh, so, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that's always a good. Yeah, so that's always a good spot. Uh, I actually uh, had a had a new article drop uh, on Thursday talking about Braden Hopi could be a, a good uh, could be a landing the Islanders could be a landing spot for for him this off season you could find that on eyes on Isles. and I have a new article that I think you might be very interested in that's all I'm going to say I'll send it to you that should be dropping on Monday morning so uh, all right all right uh, so eyes on com. Uh, no <laughs> that's not the article <laughs> uh, that's not the order. You okay. have to find William okay. Carlson. So, uh, yes. yeah, do we have any idea, real quick, last question, do we have any idea, have you heard any talk when game one would be between the Knights and the Sharks? We'll be looking at next weekend. Nope. Not Nothing yet. If if I mean, if any nothing of these yet. games go to game seven, um, the first round won't end until Wednesday. Um, so then they'll have to do their scheduling based on arena availability yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to get tricky. I don't look for the Knights to really play until Friday. So okay. like nine days off. And I got a piece I'm well, working on too for it's, Vegas, it's, VegasHockeyPodcast.com. It's right? Yeah. And the my, Sharks it's a look played, at the division and how they were all built to compete with the big with the Knights doing what they're doing in their youth, it might be a long, a long season next year for the Pacific Division. So that's I'm working on a piece for that. We've got about oh, right. 60 seconds. Uh, sure, well, make, I, I, I think that'll wrap I, it up. I, I, yeah. So uh, everyone enjoy the hockey today. You got two afternoon games, which is nice. Uh, you got the Columbus game, and you got Columbus, Washington, New Jersey. And Tampa about to stop. And then tonight, 8 o'clock, Boston, Toronto. So uh, we'll see if Toronto can. Uh, I got a funny feeling Boston's going to pull away. I, I mean, I'm probably just jinxing the Bruins, but uh, those games were very lopsided in Boston. And, you know, being the game in Boston. Um...